This episode of the Quien Do It Is podcast is sponsored by McDonald's. Para mí, McDonald's es más que un lugar de comida sabrosa. Es un lugar donde la gente se conoce. Imagínate, tú sales un fin de semana sudado, cansado, después de bailando tanto el merengue, la salsa, el reggaetón, un poco de perreo, ya tú sabes. Uno quiere comer. ¿Y para dónde va después de tanto baile? Para mí, yo voy para McDonald's por varias razones. Primero, siempre está abierto. Segundo, la comida siempre es lo que necesito en ese momento. Y tercero, me tratan como familia cuando yo entro. Yo voy tanto a, a McDonald's después de una noche de baile que a mí me saben de nombre. O sea, yo me siento como yo estoy entrando a una casa de un primo. Yo sé que hay mucha gente que tiene ese sentido cuando entra a su McDonald's favorito, a su McDonald's del barrio, a donde uno vive. El crew de McDonald's te hace sentir que es tu McDonald's. McDonald's, me encanta. I would try to keep the conversation going as much as I can, but after a certain point, I just didn't have as much energy anymore because it was just like taxing. And then they will take it the wrong way as in, oh, you're not, you don't want to be friends, Sarah. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying to like do my job and navigate life circumstances that, you know, are uncomfortable to bring up in this, in this sort of space. It's tough. And then my, and I realized there's been situations where I would try to fit in by like changing the way I dress or the way like I would communicate and the outcome would still be the same. So then I took a step back and realized, you know, we'll be, I will save so much energy and time if I would just try to like be myself and not fake it till I make it and just be honest and then focus on like doing good work and, and building like authentic relationships. And that will like sustain me more in the long term. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, dímelo. What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. And we do that by bringing you a different guest every week to have a very candid conversation around the conflict that they have experienced between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Emmy De La Cruz, who is a director of talent at NUCO. She's built teams across media and tech under some of the most influential leaders. She's a native New Yorker who immigrated to the United States from the Dominican Republic. One thing she wants the community to know is that there are different paths toward success and that it's all about your own personal definition. And with people quitting, the various layoffs, and where the economy is, I did want to highlight that Emmy's company is actually hiring. So be sure to connect with her on LinkedIn. To get Emmy's full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes. Now that you have a little bit more context into who Emmy is, let's get right into this dope conversation. All right, let's start off this conversation where we always do with the word authenticity. It's a buzzword, mm -hmm. yet we never talk about what it actually means. So when you hear the word, what comes to mind for you? For me is keeping it real and showing up as, as your true self. Maybe not like all of you all the time, because there's always a time and place for that, but keeping it consistent. So that way like, people aren't thrown off guard and they know you and they trust you. This is an interesting word. Consistent. That's an interesting word. I like how you said, too, about maybe not always showing everything. Is that something you were taught early on? Just coming from you know, the corporate 
perspective is like let's say for example like you and me are hanging out at happy hour or like hanging out with my friends at, at the club for example like the way I will show up there will be very different from the way I would show up in a meeting yes I may always I will always be outgoing that's my personality trait but like there's different there's a time and a space for like how you will approach different situations I think only because I've gotten feedback about being too much and I'm like I'm toning it down so like what level should I come in at but I think like a healthy balance is being consistent of how you would you know approach situations like you know if you're if you're, you're going to be like if you're a candid person like then continue to be candid but tailor it down or change the messaging depending on the audience it's context switching it is code switching but i feel i feel like there is an advantage to that because you could speak to a larger audience in a sense it's fascinating that this idea or even that phrase too much it's something that a lot of other podcast guests have shared but the most fascinating thing to me is that it's mostly said to women. Men typically get labeled things like aggressive and a few other things, but yeah. too much for whatever reason is always towards women. Like, what's the first time you remember hearing that? Like, what was the scenario? Well, I've also been called aggressive, too. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that one later. Yeah, a, an example could be just sharing my opinion, sharing ideas, which I like to think, like, if we're, like, in the business meeting, like, you know, talking about how can we hit this goal? Like, how can we meet these metrics? And then raising an opinion about like something we should be doing differently could be taken as the wrong way. Like, oh, no one asked you in a sense. And I'm, you know, I'm coming from a Dominican upbringing, like also raised in a household where we just need to be quiet. So when showing up like that at work, sometimes, get a little hesitant like or I, I will inhibit myself or like I don't want to you know to get yelled at in a sense but then you're phrasing it and then they say well you're being difficult don't talk bad about the team etc cetera, etc cetera. and that just creates conflict and again it's something that I hear often so I just want to empathize with you and say that you're not alone yeah when when you receive this feedback I'm sure like when you first heard the feedback maybe like in your first corporate job compared to now, you probably even reacted to it different. Like, tell me about some of those early, early experiences. Would you just sort of take the feedback, say you're right and move on? Like, how did you react to it? Well, I've been called like, really was like difficult and aggressive. And my reaction would be like, oh, I'll just take a step back. I'll just won't say anything because there's this fear of like, am I going to get in trouble? I'm going to lose my job, et cetera, et cetera. Because I know whenever I talk to my parents, they just want to make sure that you're still on that payroll. That's a fact. It's fascinating, too, because I remember when I started working, my mom would give me advice. And I always say, like, our family's advice often it's meant well, but I think it's, yeah. like, expired. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because our family, they're sharing advice based on their experience at work, based on where they worked but they haven't been in some of the spaces that we've been in, right? So my mom, for example, should be like, don't go to the happy hour with your coworkers. They're, exactly. They're, they're, you know, my mom <laughs> swears like they're there to sabotage me. She was like, no, it's a trick. It's a setup. Like all that stuff, right? 
What's Which that? is like, how would that happen? We're not, we're not the like the resort. It's not Putacana, you know. <laughs> but tell me about your family growing up. Like, what sort of advice did they tell you um, growing up about work? Oh, and the thing you said about like staying within that job. My mom said the same thing. She was like, even the idea that you would leave a job and take another one, yeah, mind blowing to them. And in tech, we move around yeah. more frequently than others. So it doesn't register in their brain. And then they suddenly think you all become rich if you get stock and, yeah. and go public. And I'm like, that's not how it works, but we'll take a step back. I and mean, for me, I'm the only white collar person in my family, mm-hmm. which has its challenges because there are certain things I feel like I will have to go to outside resources to get like advice. And for me, I'm also a woman. I was born in Dominican Republic, came here at a young age. So I was going through it at the same time as my parents, like going through the immigration process, assimilating, trying to fit in, which is human. So coming in in the 90s, and my parents are also boomers, you have this mentality like, okay, just get good grades, follow all the rules, and you'll be successful. You'll get your social security, you'll get your 401k, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, I think, I'm assuming we're both millennials, right? So then life mm-hmm. like hits us like a ton of bricks. It just doesn't work out that way. And then for me, like as a woman and like having the conversations with my cousins in VR, like they all, they have, I have to acknowledge the privilege I have just to be here in this country and have opportunity. The bar was just like different levels. Like just don't get pregnant. <laughs> just make sure that doesn't happen. Keep your head down. Just do the day to day. And I've always wanted more. And they were like, no, no, just just chill out. You're being too much. And I'm like, well, in my mind, I'm watching TV and I'm seeing like all these people are doing like amazing things. Why can't I do what they're doing just because I'm a woman and Latina? Like that that optimism and that naivete just doesn't translate. So the people that you were looking at on TV saying like, oh, but they're doing such cool stuff and they're ambitious. So you said that they didn't look like you. So who who well, were some no. of those people that you looked at? You were like, damn, that's so dope. I mean, I mean, growing up, the few role models that like look like me were like in, in the entertainment industry or like the news reporters. Um, the only ones I could like relate to. But like once I started having internships in school or like, try to move around, I I just was a little bit ignorant, I would say, like, I just assume like, oh, there's opportunity for everyone. Like the rules are the same for everyone, but they're not. Mm-hmm. It's like these un- this systematic issues. Like I didn't, because I grew up with black and brown I, and these were all my people, I didn't like realize like people come, they have different advantages or they have more of a head start. And then I would like compare myself to certain people and then get upset or like internalize these struggles and then I I started to understand like there's different paths and some people have like header paths and and that's fine or like we just have to take a zigzag or so like my parents wanted me me to be an accountant and I'm terrible at engineering and excel sheets I can't do any of that (laughs) math any of that I wonder why why did they want you to be an accountant out of out of all things because in their mind an accountant is a stable, secure job. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that idea of like you growing up with people surrounded by, you know, surrounded by people that look like you and then you enter corporate, whether it be internships and some of these early experiences. And 
it's kind of that realization moment that like, yo, I'm very different. And for me, it was when people started talking about their weekends. I was like, oh, y'all, y'all living different on your weekend. Like, I didn't do that. Like, what was that experience for you when you realized like, oh, shit. And you start because you say you start to compare yourself. Yeah, I mean, just trying to make small talk with superiors in the sense or like I don't know talk about like snowboarding things like that and I'm like try to be open I remember you mentioned something about Riverdale one of your other episodes and just like trying to like do like the coffee chats or wall equivalent chats and be like oh, well maybe try to understand like what they're into but then I also have I've had like obligations with my family so like I want to have as much free time a little hard to talk about yeah so in those experiences I think I listened to their experience and I was like, all right, if I'm going to fit in, like you spoke about assimilation earlier, then I'm going to need to at least try to live in their world so that I can be mm-hmm. relatable. So I started binge watching shows like Riverdale so that when they're talking about it, I could speak up about it, but I hated it. I just did it yeah. because I wanted to fit in. Like, did you do any of those things? Yes and no. I feel I would try to keep the conversation going as much as I can, but after a certain point, I just didn't have as much energy anymore because it was just like taxing. And then they will take it the wrong way as in, oh, you're not, you don't want to be friends, Sarah. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying to like do my job and navigate life circumstances that, you know, are uncomfortable to bring up in this, in this sort of space. It's tough. And then my, and I realized there's been situations where I would try to fit in by like changing the way I dress or the way like I would communicate and the outcome would still be the same. So then I took a step back and realized you know, we'll be, I will save so much energy and time if I would just try to like be myself and not fake it till I make it and just be honest and then focus on like doing good work and, and building like authentic relationships. And that will like sustain me more in the long term. I love that you mentioned that. I mean, you mentioned so many important topics. For example, it's an energy suck. Yeah. Like it literally depletes your energy to fake it so much, right? Like you, you even try to entertain the conversation and you were like, all right, this is cool. But then by like, I don't know, five minutes since we were like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. I, I can't, I, I don't know anything about like snowboarding, skiing and these winter activities just because it's something I wasn't exposed to growing up. I mean, I would like to explore it. But I'm not an expert. I'm not the professional here on that. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, there's nothing wrong with trying new things, right? Like, I actually tried skiing for the first time in my life last year. Mad fun. But there's a difference between, like, going back to Riverdale, like, me trying something, seeing that I don't like it, and continuing just because I don't, you know, just because I wanted to fit in. But then you said something, there are certain times where you tried to, like, fit in and do certain things like you said you you started to like even buy a whole new wardrobe before we get into this let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors i wanted to know why some people who get COVID 19 get it so bad i found out it may be because they have a high risk factor such as heart disease diabetes being overweight smoking and asthma even if symptoms feel mild these factors can increase your risk of COVID 19 turning severe so if you're at high risk and test positive there are things you can do like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. This episode of the Ginduetas podcast is also sponsored by Chispa, the number one dating app for Latinos. Chispa is the largest community for Latinx singles with over 6 million downloads. 
So to all my fellow Latinas, Latinos looking for love or to meet new people, you have to listen to this. This is the perfect app for you to find your novio, your novia, or new friends this summer. If you want to connect with someone like you, someone who loves nuestra cultura y el perreo, you need to check this app. Meeting new people is always a little hard, especially if you want them to be familia or abuelita approved. So if this all sounds good, go on Chispa and find Bay. It's simple and free. Just download the app whenever you're ready. You know, uno nunca sabe. Something amazing could come out of it. So that next time your tías start asking, y el novio? Or when they set you up on a blind date con el vecino, now you can tell them, I'm good, tía. This was a while ago. There was one situation where it, it didn't work out. And then the, the reasoning that they brought up just didn't add up. And I could say this because I'm on the HR side of the house where like my numbers were there, like performance was there, but it just wasn't like a culture match. And then they use examples as in, oh, well, you're spending too much time socializing with the group. And we see it all in these channels and pre-Me Too, pre-COVID, pre-all of that. And me, like being junior, I thought, okay, let me just like take the check and run, you know, just let it be at the end of it. But I feel like being a person of color, a woman of color, there's not as much room for error. There's not as much gray zone. Mm -hmm. So either you got to be like all good, all bad. Yeah. That's a struggle. And it's also confusing as hell, right? Because on one side, you get your feedback that you're not friendly enough, right? And then you start becoming friendly. You start faking it or whatever you're doing. And then you say, you get feedback that you're too friendly. And then it's like, well, what do y'all want me to be? And then you get... (laughs) not only work advice, but then you get family advice, right? So it's almost like you're maybe looking for someone to show you the right way to, 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 to navigate just like corporate in general. I think like going back to family advice, like we spoke about assimilation. Did you like, in what ways did you see your family assimilating when they got here? That's a good one. Well, when we got here, like I grew up in Bushwick and that was all Dominicans, Puerto Ricans. There was not much assimilated to do. It was with my people, but then, <laughs> and, uh, but my parents, we, I spoke Spanish at the house and it, school was English. It was all English. And I feel like, you know, technically, you know, English is a second language and that's code switching in itself. How like my parents would try to fit in. I don't know if it worked for them. They would just try to like read all the documentations follow all these rules and I see them like struggle in their own ways and I feel like a lot of like first gen people in general just have that ingrained with them that they have to become adults really quick and then and then when you get older we start we moved around after like gentrification all that and then got exposed like different cultures and then my mom just didn't understand so I hope I have like an example of how they assimilated because we're still trying to do it yeah that makes sense i mean spanish was my first language as well like that's that's what my abuela taught me when I, you know my mom was working and then i didn't learn english until i started uh going to school but even even the idea just just came to mind like when i started going to school i didn't know how to pronounce my name in english mm. like it sounds really weird but like my name is pavel right like there is no english translation to it but one day someone asked me my name and i was like uh Pabell? Like, I just made that up. You know what I mean? And from then on, my name was always Pabell. But, like, it's not meant to be said in English. But I think that's one way where 
um, even from like a pronunciation of our name sometimes, um, like we try to shorten it or change it or yeah. do any of those things just to just to make it easier for people instead of like holding on to to our identity. Well, Pavel, my name is not Emmy. No, what's Boy, your name? It's N me Beth. I don't want the Fez after me now. <laughs> when did you shorten it to Emmy? Well, Emmy's always been a nickname, but it became official in college when I had a professor just straight up tell me that white people will never be able to pronounce your name, so you just gotta shorten it. So I thought, okay, I'm just I'm just gonna keep it simple. And even growing up, I had a struggle like in class. They would just mispronounce it, misspell it over and over and over again. And like my friends would call me Emmy or like M for sure. And I'm like, I'm tired of this too. And it's not only Emmy Beth, but it's Emmy Beth de la Cruz as well, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't need to go the whole thing. That, that would be like <laughs> a mouthful. Yeah. Wow. For a college professor to tell you that, like, how did that feel in the moment? In the moment, I was like, oh, snap. I mean, I guess he, I thought he had a point because I've had that history of it happening over and over and over. And then it just becomes frustrating. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. I've, that's, that's something else that a lot of people have said, unfortunately. But that, and it's interesting because that professor, maybe they were trying their best to give you some advice, yeah. right? I, but the way that, yeah. but the way that we take it though, like, like they don't know how it's going to impact us. Like that may be something that you've been holding on yeah. for years. And even till this day, right. You still go by, by Emmy, right. You probably introduce yourself as that. Yeah. And I think like putting myself in his shoes, because again, this is like back in the day, he was probably also trying to protect me because, mm. you know, he, he was from Brooklyn too. So I had another professor also from Brooklyn that would call me out on my accent. Like my Brooklyn accent will come out. Like when I say ask, he's like, don't say that. And I'm like, okay. And I've, I found this as well. Like it's a lot of the older generation that yeah. often tries to give us advice and it, it's often well-intentioned just like our family. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that advice is based on the times where they were living. Right. I mean, it was a time where you didn't want to stand out. Right. For like yeah, various exactly. reasons even immigration, right? Like if you had an accident, for example, there's like this fear that you would get picked up. People would question like, where's this person from? All those things. Yeah. I think these days, I mean, it's, it's not like completely different, right? Some of those same fears yeah. exist, but I do think it's like a different time where at least I try to encourage people that is different times and, and you can embrace some of that. Like that acts. Yeah. Like I don't see anything wrong with your accent. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even notice you had an accent. <laughs> I don't know. People also sometimes say I talk white, which is like another story. I don't even know what that means, to be honest. And then like when I'm like in a room where I have like the younger generation and I see how they move like so open and all that, it just makes me happy because I I feel like we're progressing to like a more inclusive time where like we have to be accepting of our differences and just let let it be. So we could work together and flow and be in harmony because we can't all be the same. It's just not. I agree. I, oh. Yo, this, this younger generation doesn't give a fuck. They are very <laughs> firm 
on their beliefs and they are not yeah. afraid to tell you. And it's interesting. I love the point that you mentioned the younger generation, because I think representation doesn't always mm -hmm. have to come from someone that you look up to in the sense of like older than you or has more experience. Like we can be inspired by anybody. I'm wondering for you, like you were at this point early on in your career where you're getting some of this feedback. And in many ways, like you're making certain adjustments to yourself to try to fit in. And something powerful that you said was, well, I realized even with all this fitting in or assimilation, like I was still getting all the feedback. So I had the same thing. Like I realized at that point, I was like, well, fuck it. If I'm gonna get the same feedback, I might as well just be myself. Like what was that moment for you where you were just like, fuck it, I'm gonna just be myself. After gaining more experience, after working with more people that look like me and seeing how courageous they were, it also inspired me to like, you know, show up and like set that, set that example. And, you know, I, I have the experience and the credentials, like let that shit go. Can I curse here already? But so yeah, yeah, yeah. let that shit go. <laughs> and then it's just, cause at the end of the day, like this is all really a systematic problem, right? And these systems need to change. It's not going to change overnight and it takes it, it takes time it takes a community it takes like people like yourself who are, are brave enough to like speak up and bring people together like i remember when i saw you in that um society of hispanic professional engineers event and you had the cafe bustelo in the background i was like oh shit i love cafe bustelo there's little moments like that and then look just looking back at your numbers you're like okay well i hit all these goals like and I'm in a recruiting space, like, oh, I made these hires. I made these diverse hires. These diverse hires are also killing it. So it's like a tipping point effect, I think. So just looking back, just looking at the facts, then, you know, have it imprinted in my mind, like, okay, the, what, the work speaks for itself, but you got to get to a point where, like, you're also working so much, working so hard, and, like, no one can tell you nothing, right? That's just how I feel. I love that. That's such great advice is that, I mean, you could be yourself whether you're doing a great job or not, but it makes your life much easier yeah. if you're really good at your job and you can point to certain numbers, be like, does it matter that I'm wearing sneakers? Like, I'm killing it numbers-wise. But you also mentioned that you saw certain people throughout mm -hmm. your career that inspired you and you don't have to say who they are but I'm wondering like what about that person or the many people that you saw you were like yo I love the way that she or he does that I want to be like that person yeah just the way that they speak up and they're able to share parts of themselves and not hold back give me an example was there an example in a meeting where somebody was like disagreed and you were like oh, people can do that <laughs> I love to think about it to get like a concrete example, but I think just going looking at the younger talent, younger talent, and they like coming in with fresh perspective. And I think because you know, just looking back and experience, like we we're all human at the end of the day. So like some have balance, some don't, and it's like it's up to you to choose like what you do with that. Seeing how people will react to to you as well. Yeah, well that that's really interesting too because I I think you're in this dope position where you're obviously trying to advocate for yourself right your own authenticity mm -hmm. but in you being in a position like hr and recruiting 
you also get like a, a, a sneak peek behind like organizations, right? Because at the same time, like you're changing culture with like the people that you're bringing into organizations, right? Mm-hmm. And I love to, to get your feedback on, or maybe your perspective on like, what's some of the pushback that you've experienced and even just like some of the people you try to bring in? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm all about the culture. I think like an organization is only as good as its people and you got to bring in different perspectives in to have different voices at the table. So I think it's just, just getting people to be open to like different backgrounds because in tech, you know, tech does open a lot of doors and that's why I want to see like more people of different backgrounds breaking into tech and rising up. And it's a struggle when like you have like such good talent out there that just haven't had the opportunity to really like, showcase, like they're just have a foot in the door. Right. And, and I think it goes both ways where like the talent themselves might also like be inhibited or like the superior in a sense may have these unconscious biases that they show up or like getting feedback of like this person's like rough around the edges you can't like what does that mean rough around the edges like they're (laughs) I don't like that term I don't know if you've ever received a a feedback like that but I've heard it I've heard it here and there and no bueno yeah (laughs) I think I think often people use these like vague generic terms mm-hmm. to hide what they really mean. So, and that's why yeah. I try to focus on the word professionalism because you'll hear people be like, oh, she was unprofessional or this one, she didn't have executive presence. Yeah, what does that mean? So you've heard rough around the edges, like what other phrases or words or feedback have you received that you were like, uh, red flag, that's unconscious bias. I mean, also like, I've I've gotten gotten feedback well like well we like her but there's just something about her I don't understand I'm like or like hmm, she doesn't have that executive presence so say like all these other vague things that could be applied to like a person's like personality trait or how they show up whatever that means again but uh, it's, it's it's not this is all like very generic examples because it happens so often from and it comes from different channels different members of titles levels all of that right and then like for me when I try to push back I say like can you give me an example like what is it specifically and I think like with tech like you have the benefit like if you're someone who's like an engineer etc like you could look at their like code and see like where the expertise is and then it's not fair to like label them rough around the edges or in any of these other like terms that are just made up at the end of the day to say no and you know like I could unpack like a ton of that and that could be like a whole happy hour conversation (laughs) but I'm telling you like it's just like trying to like educate them and that that's a job in its own like that takes a lot of energy to educate someone who hasn't had experience working with someone of a different background just to be open to like understanding where they're coming from. Yeah, it's kind of but, uh, like a like a mislabeling of even. Yeah. They sh- first of all, they shouldn't even be looking at personality, right? But it's like a even if you are, you mislabel it often, right? Like when you're labeled as too much, someone else could be labeled as persistent or <laughs> um, a go getter with so many exciting ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I've had another recruiter on on the podcast and. 
she said that when she was recruiting for roles, uh, the executive team would give her, you know, a job description with certain qualifications. <laughs> and it was interesting, like the chief technology officer went to like a local school. It wasn't like a big name, but it was, you know, it was a decent, it was a good school, but it was just like mm. a local school. But the the same chief technology officer said that you can only recruit from like these 20 schools and like his mm. school wasn't even on the list. So it's interesting is like, oh, yeah. but you're qualified to be here and lead the whole organization, but incoming people, they're not allowed to go to your school. It, it was fascinating. Yeah, I remember that episode. That's an interesting one. And I, I will tell you this, like, factually speaking, uh, underrepresented talent, they usually don't go for it because they feel like they're underqualified if they don't meet the requirements 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's another blocker. So that's why we got to like work to get these people in. And then sometimes, I don't know, there's just so many things that happen that behind the scenes that, you know, create a challenge. But I think language is an interesting thing. It's, it's about the language. Mm-hmm. You're saying the language that people use, like the labels? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, well, I love that. I mean, obviously, we're still working on ourselves, like all of us, like it's continued growth. Yeah it seems like you're a lot more confident in who you are these days, but earlier you mentioned that there is still some times where you feel uncomfortable bringing some parts of your authenticity to work, right? You even mentioned like, you know what? Sometimes I still code switch. Like what are some of those things where you're still uncomfortable showing to the world? Well, I mean, I'm Latina, we're outspoken. I'm also a New Yorker, New Yorkers are candid. And I feel like sometimes it comes off too strong depending on the audience so that's something I struggle with sometimes and that for me like when I started it was also about the image you know moving through like bigger corporations like how should I do my hair hair is like a big thing in this community like curly straight I'll spend like money and hours in the hair salon just so I could like look professional or like dressing the part and I didn't have money when I was starting off I just was getting by with whatever I could and just making it work I just all these little things um don't wear like too much jewelry because it's distracting and I like to wear jewelry it's a a way to express myself bright colors as well that often comes up Mm-hmm. even like people have said like they tend to choose like a neutral nail color I love that you said that too because we don't have it all figured out in fact there are many things like I have I have a podcast talking about authenticity yet I still struggle with authenticity in many ways correcting people with my name is something that I still am not comfortable doing the other day you know it's funny like I I'm I feel like I'm one of the only one of my male friends that doesn't have his ear pierced and I was like the other day I was like I may get my ear pierced you're gonna have like, to do it I'm 30 I'm 31 about to be 32 <laughs> and it's because my my family growing up they would tell me don't do it don't get tattoos all these things and I went to high school they told me the same thing like uh and then I when I started corporate same thing and now you know, in my 30s, I'm finally feeling comfortable, a little bit more comfortable testing out certain things. But I still have that idea in the back of my head. I was like, damn, but should I put that in my headshot as well? Yeah, it's a good one. It's deep. It's deep. But anyway, to wrap up, I I love where you're at right now. I love that you're even thinking about the things that you're still a little bit uncomfortable doing. And, you know, I hope moving forward that you see more representation of people being outspoken and candid so that maybe it'll give you the confidence you need to continue doing it. Because 
to your point, right? Like if you're driving your go- your, dr- your goals, your metrics, like it shouldn't even matter. But as you look forward though, like what's one thing that continues to inspire and empower you to be your most authentic self? I mean, just seeing like the community be persistent about it and just making sure that you find your tribe. I think that's a big one because I've had to like, you know, I, I had to like take opportunities as they come just so I could, you know, open the door to the next one. Um, there wasn't as much freedom before, but like now I think like when you get a little bit more experience and like you feel a little bit more comfortable, it's about being in a space where like your voice is valued and respected because I spent so much energy trying to get other people to understand me where it just wasn't working. And I was just, at the end of the day, you just gotta know when, when it's just not a fit, you know, and, and find your people and find like your community and work with them together in that sense. That might not be the most PC thing to say, but I think that's what it's about. It's just finding finding your tribe. You know, not everyone's going to get it, but some people will. And those are the people you want to be around. Yeah, you got to be with your people. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.